2 Corinthians chapter 9. I have never led a church in a building campaign before. And uh, this has been exciting. It's been, it's been terrifying. Uh, it's been faith building. <clears throat> it's been uh, definitely a, a, a wonderful thing, uh, but also kind of a scary thing to be at this place where we're at our commitment Sunday and looking forward to seeing what God will do through us for his glory. It's his church. He said he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a thrilling thing to be a part of something that is unstoppable. His church is unstoppable and we get to be a part of it. He builds it and he uses us and praise God for that. Colossians 1.18 has been our theme verse, and we'll continue to hit that on Sunday mornings. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We've looked at the matter of surrender, trust, generosity, and sacrifice in the last few weeks. And uh, this morning we come to the matter of commitment. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. And we'll pick it up in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye... Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Verse 15 says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Truly, we are doing what we're doing today because of what he has done for us. This is an expression of our thanks, our gratitude, and it really is a privilege to be a part of his work. As we've geared up to uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, we've looked at themes of surrender, trust, generosity, and sacrifice, and now this week, the matter of commitment. I don't believe this needs to be hard. I don't believe that this needs to be stressful. I think we, we just surrender to God, submit to His direction. We trust that He will not lead us wrong. As He leads... We look to him for that heart of generosity and are, we're willing to make the sacrifices that he directs. We commit ourselves and our resources to him and look for him to use us for his glory. When we come to Commitment Sunday, this is not something that we're doing lightly. The sacrifice and the faith that this endeavor requires, I'm sure is going to be tested along the way and has already been tested but we have an opportunity to follow the Lord's leadership and to see him do something supernatural. 
and that's exciting to me. When we look at how much things cost today, and you look at uh, inflation and economics, and you say, wow, is this a good time to do this? Well, humanly speaking, no. This is not a good time to do this. We launched this whole thing back in 2020, January of 2020. That's when this whole project originally launched, and it came screeching to a halt within nine weeks or ten weeks of launching because COVID-19 came and uh, the whole world changed and it was one thing after the next and our world just seems to, since 2020, be unraveling at a a rapid pace and uh, there's so many uncertainties and things are so different than even a few years ago. And you say, I don't know if this is a good idea for us to be embarking on a campaign like this in a time like this. And that's where I was at in 2020 and 21 and 22, but the Lord began working on my heart, and I kept thinking about that one verse, can the Lord uh, furnish a table in the wilderness? Is, is that something that God can do? Uh, or can God only furnish a table in the good ground? You know, God can and delights to do what we would see as impossible. And I believe that if the world really is falling apart, and if things really are getting worse, then churches need to go forward like never before. I need to be unified and bold and courageous in their walk of faith. This is not a time to hunker down and to go into a bunker. This is a time for us to, by faith, go forward. When you look at the givers in 2 Corinthians, they were not giving in good times. They were giving in bad times. And I would say far worse times than what we are experiencing, and probably far worse than we will ever experience. And yet they learned how to unlock some joy that many Christians today have no idea about. There's a lot of verses I, I, I may reference that are not on the screen, and I did not put these there. So if you have a Bible, you can just go back to chapter 8 for a moment where it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of their affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. How do you have all of this joy? What does it say? It says the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. How do you wed those two phrases in the same sentence? Abundance of joy and deep poverty. Who is abundantly joyful in the depths of poverty? These people. Why were they so joyful? Because God was using them and giving them really the riches of his liberality. He was enabling them and equipping them to give, and they knew that this was all of him. They gave to their power, the Bible says, and beyond their power, and they gave themselves first. Folks, this is not a time that is convenient 
to give or to pledge or to sacrifice. This is not a time that is uh, uh, that which we would think is just like, yeah, this makes total sense and uh, yeah, this is going to work. Humanly speaking, it doesn't seem like it will work, but I do believe that God is leading us forward. And these folks here in 2 Corinthians, they also just simply followed God. So there's some, some examples that we can glean, I think, from the Corinthians that will help us today as we make our commitments to the Lord's work over these next three years. And we'll just see five things briefly, and then we will have a time of prayer and submit our commitments, our pledges to the Lord this morning. First of all, the first example, uh, the first uh, 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 takeaway, I should say, uh, that we can have from these uh, believers in Corinth is this. Number one, we need to give according to the sowing and reaping principle. Give according to the sowing and reaping principle. In other words, you're not, you're not, when you give to the Lord in His work, you're, you're not just giving it all away and you'll, you'll, you'll never see that again. You know, boy, I hope I, hope I can find some extra cash somewhere because I just, I just gave to the Lord and uh, who knows what's going to happen. No, no, when you give to the Lord, you cannot outgive God. He also takes care of you, and you, you reap according to how you sow. What does the Bible say here in verse 9? He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. This is a biblical principle. Some have called it the law of sowing and reaping, and I've heard all my life preachers break this down into three laws. I don't think I put these on the screen either. I intended to. You can put this down in your notes somewhere. The three laws of the sowing and reaping principle are these. First of all, you reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. You're not getting carrots, okay? Uh, you reap what you sow, but also you reap more than you sow. Isn't it amazing how just a couple of seeds can bring forth uh, so, so much more in return? You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. And then the third law of the sowing and reaping principle is that you will reap later than you sow. Every farmer, by nature, has to have patience. (laughs) And any kid who's ever tried to take one of those little uh, cups and you stick a seed in there and and then you, you, you water it every day and you watch it, Boy, that thing takes forever to grow. And a lot of times kids get impatient with that thing. Will you please grow? It's growing. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some water. And it's going to take some nurture and, and uh, some cultivating and everything else that goes into it. But something is going on. And I believe that in God's work, it is a matter of waiting on the Lord, being patient continuing to trust him but recognizing by faith this sowing and reaping principle we can depend upon because we are depending upon the god who said it give according to the sowing and reaping principle Uh, if you make a pledge and again that's between you and the lord no one's required to make a pledge your commitment is totally between you and god but if you make a commitment today Uh, you are entrusting to the Lord that which you can bank upon, he will increase. And it's like you and I get to be the little boy with the lunch, the five loaves and two fishes. What did that little boy do? He gave five loaves and two fishes, but the disciples said, what are they among so many? And the Lord said, I'll show you what they are among so many. 
You and I, we just sow. We water, we entrust it to God, and let him give the increase, and it is a glory to him when he does this. Number one, give according to the sowing reaping principle. Number two, give according to what you've purposed. Give according to what you've purposed through God's direction. Verse 7 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. I like this because it is teaching us that they weren't just expected to give willy-nilly or uh, just, uh, you know, whatever your gut tells you this morning, however you feel. It's not something that they just did on some whim. No, this was something that they took time to seek God about and to come to a, a plan and a purpose in their heart. The Corinthians were commended by Paul for their commitment to giving. And he actually bragged on them. If you read chapters 8 and 9, you will see he speaks of boasting about them several times. He bragged on them to others and said that their example in giving had provoked many others also. So that's what he would do. He'd say, hey, did you hear about the Corinthians? These people were broke in a great trial of affliction. But the joy they had as they learned to tap into God's resources was amazing. And boy, they have learned to give. And, and he would brag on them and tell people. And, and their, their example would provoke many others. But Paul also knew that they were human too. There's always a human factor present. And so he didn't just brag on them. He then circled back to them and challenged them. To follow through upon what upon that which they had committed lest his boasting would be in vain let me just show you this real briefly again uh, if you have your bibles in front of you i don't have this on the screen but in chapter eight he says um he says in verse 10 and here and I pray, and here and I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward or eager a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have, or that which ye have decided, in other words. Uh, for if there be first a willing mind, it's accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to what he hath not. All right, so, so he's saying the willingness is great, and God's going to use what you have and what, what he's entrusted to you to be a part of this work, but you have to follow through on it. Uh, he says, for I mean that not, uh, uh, actually, let's, let's skip down uh, to verse, uh, let's go down to verse 24. Wherefore, show ye to them and, be, and, and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. That's an interesting way to challenge these believers. Show them now. You've made a commitment a year ago. You were eager and willing a year ago, but now it's time to, 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 to follow through. And he says, show the proof of your love and... Also, he said, back up my boasting, if you would, please. And he comes back to that. For as such in the ministering of the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you, for I know the forwardness of your mind or the eagerness of your mind, uh, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, 
and Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. So their testimony was really helping stir up a spirit of generosity. And he says, Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we dare not say ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had notice before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. And then we get into our text for this morning about sowing and reaping. So here's what I would say about this. First of all, there does seem to be a biblical precedent for churches to have some kind of system in regards to pledges or commitments, or as we would say, just to use the word right out of the text, purposing, purposes. I guess we could have called them purpose cards. Maybe we'll do that next time. Just take the exact biblical term right out, stick it on the card, and call them purpose cards. Uh, you know, we have a, a, a precedent here where there was something that took place a year ago where they got together, they heard about a need, they got excited about a need, and they expressed in some way, shape, or form, they didn't have color printers, so I doubt it looked like this. And none of them had had Pastor Drew's graphics class, so uh, it wasn't going to be like that. But however they did it, they were able to convey in clear terms that there was an expectation of what they wanted to do. And Paul understood this and was so thrilled. And, and, and now he's circling back to them saying, I'm still super thrilled, but I also know you're only human and I want to encourage you, let's follow through. They took up pledges purposes. In chapter 9, verse 7, he refers to what they had purposed in their hearts to give a year ago. In chapter 8, as we already read, he commends their eagerness to pledge or purpose, but strongly encourages them to follow through on those purposes. So I believe that there is biblical precedent in what we're doing this morning. And some have asked me about that. Some have asked me, you know, is it, is it right for us to make pledge cards or commitment cards none of us know the future doesn't it seem to be presumptuous and what about the verses that say uh if you vow you shouldn't vow uh make a vow at all or if you vow to your own hurt and change not you know you, you, you uh how's that verse go he that voweth to his own hurt and changeth not in other words if you do make a vow and 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 it now it becomes difficult to follow through on that vow you shouldn't change it and there's a lot in the old testament about vows and so forth and I would just say, folks, we're not talking about a vow this morning. This is not a vow. And I don't believe that there was any vowing going on here. It was a prayerful purposing in the heart concerning the direction God gave them this eagerness and a willingness in their hearts to be a part of his work. But for the sake of planning and for the sake of organization, uh, it was good to make, make some kind of a system, a structure of figuring out what are we going to do and how much and, and, and so forth so they could figure out how far this could go and, and, and uh, be organized in the work of the Lord. And so they purposed in their hearts a year ago, and he says it would be good for us to follow through. Now, let me just say, 
Uh, there's obviously biblical precedent for some kind of system of receiving purpose cards or pledge cards. But there's also a biblical precedent here for churches to motivate their members to participate in giving. Uh, all I would say to this is just be glad that I don't do it the way Paul did. Okay? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Hey, guys, you guys are something else. I've been bragging to you all over town. Now, follow through, buddy. Don't make me look bad. I've been bragging on you. That's essentially what he said. You read it. I read it. Uh, he, that's how he put it. Paul was an apostle. I'm not. I'll leave that kind of apostol apostolic, uh, uh, you know, uh, motivation to him. I do love how he handles uh, Philemon. Have you guys read that? Talk about some motivation. Hey, Philemon, Onesimus, your servant who ran away from you, yeah, he got saved. And now I want you to be really nice to him. And don't forget, you owe me your soul, buddy. <laughs> You know, I don't think I could get away with this. I wouldn't even try it here. But the Apostle Paul, he kind of took things to a different level. He was the apostle, all right? But I, I don't want you to think that that's where we're going with this. We're actually not going to come hounding you for your commitment. We're not going to come and say, uh, hey, you're three weeks overdue. That's not going to happen. And I'm actually not even going to get up and say, well, I've been boasting on you people to all my pastor friends. Now, don't let me down. You're not going to hear that from me either, okay? But I do think it just points up the fact that there was an expectation and should be an expectation of us that what we do, we do seriously. What we, what we uh, purpose in our hearts, we do with the guidance and leadership of the, of the Spirit. We do so prayerfully and carefully. Purposing in your heart has to do with a premeditated, purposeful decision that you have been led to through the word of God, through the leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit, God giving you peace to move forward. If you don't make a commitment this morning, that's between you and the Lord. That's fine. This is something that you need to have spent time or, or, or spend time between, uh, you can put in a commitment card later if you want to, but don't do this without having taken time to truly hear from God and purpose in your heart what God would have you to do. The recipients of Paul's letter clearly sought the Lord about their commitments. They verbalized them and they were even held accountable to them. They took this matter very seriously. So number one, we should give according to the sowing and reaping principle. Number two, we should give according to what, how we have purposed in our hearts. Number three, we should give as one who understands the privilege, the privilege of giving. It says in verse seven, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Folks, we need to recognize that giving is not an unfortunate duty. Oh, bummer. It's time to write that tithe check. Oh, this happens every week. Uh, that's not how that's supposed to work. Every time we write a tithe check, it should be an expression of our joy. I got paid again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm alive another week. Thank you, Jesus. We have so much. We, are, we have provision. We have blessings. We have answers to prayer. Where's the checkbook? Let me write that tithe check. It's a, it's a privilege to, to give him the first fruits and demonstrate that he has the preeminence. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there's other giving that we also do. We give faith promise to missionaries. We give for special offerings that come up here and there. 
Uh, we might give, in this case, to a building program. But all of it is out of gratitude to the Lord for the opportunity that we have to be a part of his work when he's worked so faithfully in us. Giving is not an unfortunate duty. It's not to be seen as a tax or a tribute of, that's extracted from unwilling slaves. You're not a conquered subject. You're a son, a co-heir with Jesus. Giving is not something that we do so that we escape the wrath of God. I better give. Uh, I don't want to, you know, fail uh, in, in, in my family this year or fail in my marriage this year or get cancer this year or whatever. No, that's, that's not how this works, folks. There's nothing meritorious if you do give. There's nothing judgmental if you don't give. It's just a matter of you doing what God wants you to do. That's the issue. Giving is an honor and a privilege. Not grudgingly or of necessity. God loveth a cheerful giver. It's an honor and a privilege. And you're going to hear me quote this next passage several times this week and next Back to David in Second Chronicles, or, uh, First Chronicles 29, 14, where it says, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord... Our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. That is the heart of a cheerful giver personified. That is the heart of gratitude that God wants to have from us today. This is the perspective. It's not, oh, do I have to be a part of this? That's not how David saw it. He said, who am I? I get to be a part of this? I'm chosen to help build the work of God? Who am I and who are my people? We're just a bunch of strangers and pilgrims who just have, have walked all over this earth like our fathers have. And our, our days are like a shadow. There's nobody that's still abiding. We all tend to fade away. The fact that David realizes here he's going to be able to invest in something that would last beyond his days, he was thrilled to death. And he just reminds us, everything I'm going to give to God, it's all his anyway. God loves this attitude, folks. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful heart is a demonstration of so many things. A cheerful giver is a demonstration of a mature individual. Spiritually mature, but I would just say giving in general is a demonstration of maturity. You go into the nursery this morning and you'll probably find a lot of little babies and little kids that don't understand that giving is good. Mine! Mine! And finally grab the doll and smack them with it. That'll teach you to take my doll, you know. Mine! And if I'm going to be good to me, I need to give to me. That's what, that's what immaturity says. From the womb... We are immature, and we just believe that what comes this way is good, what goes that way 
is bad. But as those kids in the nursery mature, and hopefully they end up in the junior church over here, they got Brother Maynard and various ones of you. Hopefully there's, there's a little bit more giving, maybe. <laughs> a little a little bit, he says. A little bit more giving. They're maturing slightly. And then they get to the Pastor CJ's class, and hopefully there's a little bit more giving as they're maturing. He's like, oh. <laughs> He's not convinced. Uh, okay. Uh, and then as you grow and grow, hopefully you're realizing it is a good thing to give. When I give to my siblings, it's a blessing. When I give to my parents. I do the dishes for mom and dad. That's a blessing. When I help out around the house, life is better for all of us. You know, if I'll pitch in, life will be so much more enjoyable. You begin to mature and realize, oh, giving is good. Now, I will say, some adults never mature. Some adults go to their grave. Babies in this in this regard. They never have figured out that giving is healthy and good. But a cheerful giver is a sign that one is maturing spiritually. A begrudging giver, a giver of necessity, that is a sign of spiritual immaturity. And so I don't say that to condemn any of you, because all of us are struggling with this at one point or another, or still struggling. Uh, we, we, all of us have, have even good days and bad days in this regard. We just need to be able to recognize when I am having a hard time being cheerful about the opportunities that God gives me to dive in and give, that I might need to ask God to help me mature in this area. Folks, I want you to be excited this morning. God wants you to be excited this morning. If you came ready to give a purpose card, okay, a commitment card, you ought to be excited about that. It ought to give you joy. And if not, I would say there's some work that needs to be done in your heart and take some time, even in this service, say, Lord, give me that mature heart that recognizes the privilege that I have in giving. David's response was, who am I? Who am I that you would choose me to be a part of giving to your work? And in that chapter, they rejoiced and they, they, uh, they, they ate and drank and celebrated and they, they just spent so much time together, happy that God would use them in this way. Number four give in dependence upon his power. Give in dependence upon his power. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Folks, some of us may be a little scared today. We're excited and we're joyful, but we're scared. Because I don't know how this is going to happen. How am I going to make this pledge? What if something changes? What if I can't follow through? Well, the focus of your faith must not be on what you can do. The focus of your faith must be on what God can do. And that is what Paul did with these Corinthians. He said, listen, guys, God is able. You made a pledge a year ago, and now uh, maybe he was seeing things that made him think that they were getting weak in the knees. I don't know. But he sent people there to encourage them and make up the bounty of, of, of four times. 
But he said, I got to help them. I got to help them get their focus on who's going to do this. They're not going to do this. God's going to do this. These people are poor. These people have great affliction, great trial. So I'm going to focus them on the God who is able to make all grace abound toward you. Who were these people? They were people who were in a great trial of affliction. They were in deep poverty. They were, uh, but they were able through God's grace and his rich liberality to give beyond their power. The beauty of grace is in these little phrases. All grace. All sufficiency. All things. Abound to every good work. And there's that little word that I skipped. Always. Always. This is who God is. This is how He works. And this is what makes grace exciting. I think sometimes we think of a little bit of grace. There's a, a song, it's a fun uh, song that they sing down south. Just a little more grace to see me through. Just a little more grace. You know, God says, I'll see your little more grace and, and we'll abound that thing. There's no such thing as a little bit of grace. Grace is, it comes in one size, huge. All grace, all sufficiency, all things abound always. And so, folks, that needs to be the focus of our faith. We are going to give in dependence upon his power. And lastly, give with an assurance of his provision. When we give these commitment cards, we trust that we have been led of the Lord to this point. We trust we have not been uh, presumptive. We have been uh, directed by His Spirit through His Word. And we know that He has the provision to make this all happen. David said it so well, of thine own hand, we're giving back to you. That's what we're doing. He's the one providing. He's the one who will continue to provide Verse 9 says, As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness of his provision which causes us to thank him folks i believe that we can give with an assurance of his provision faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in christ jesus that's what was told to the philippians and who were the philippians another group of givers Philippians 4.19 is God's promise to givers. God will supply all your need. Have you sought the Lord this morning? Have you surrendered to his direction? Has God given you joy and cheerfulness and excitement about what we're doing on this journey of faith? Then I would say it's time for us to 
move forward.